0: Welcome to the After Hours Sessions podcast. It's your host, D-Rock. And today I'm joined by someone I'm really excited to talk with. Someone I've kind of seen over the past year or so and has really become a big fan of her work and really am excited just to chat with her and get to know her better. And someone who's really a rising, you know, Dom in the BDSM world, the amazing Mistress Smash. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dee. I'm excited to chat with you.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So I know you're in the, the Dallas, Texas area right now. So we were talking about it a little before, but just so, how, how warm is it right now in Dallas?
1: Um, Today it is 68 degrees.
0: Wow, wow. It's
1: going to get up we... to 72, and it's been like this all February. <laughs>
0: See, see that, see, I'm being up here in Philly, it's like, we did have like a close to 70 degree day in February, but, um, you know, we're we're in the 40s, I think we're hitting close to 50 today as the high, so uh, very jealous of the weather, very jealous, so, man, man, just ready for winter to be over, but. Trust me, you wouldn't
1: want to be here in the winter, though, because it's going to be 110 degrees every day. (laughs)
0: Oh, oh wait, Once it gets to summertime and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't want to be down there for that. I'm, I, I'm jealous of you in the wintertime. Not envious of anyone down there. Once it gets to be the summers for sure. So, but your your journey is quite interesting. I know you've been and learning about, you know, the BDSM and dominatrix culture for a while, but you became a uh, professional dominatrix in 2020, I believe, right?
1: Yep, that's right. Uh, Around July, I quit my Mm -hmm. full time vanilla job in IT and transitioned over to doing DOM work instead.
0: Okay, so now was kink fetish kind of something you were always interested in or were you kind of brought into that world like at a much later state like how did you kind of start to discover this this dominatrix world
1: um i was definitely kink aware pretty early on like i remember doing some rudimentary like bondage ds kind of stuff in high school with some of the people with the person i was dating So I've been aware of it for a while, but I would definitely say that I didn't get much exposure to media that showed women in charge of the scene. Like everything that I was seeing coming up was like men dominating women. Hmm. So for a long time, I was like, oh, this is what you do. And so I did that and it was fun. I learned a lot. Um, But definitely over time, as I learned a lot, I found that the people who were trying to dominate me didn't know anything or definitely didn't know most of what I knew as like basics. Like, how do you pull hair? How do you safely choke someone? Like, that just wasn't an interest to them. Like, I had very few safe word conversations coming up as a sub. So Mm. (laughs) definitely as I got more educated, um, I found it very difficult to submit to people who, you know, weren't really aware of some basic concepts
0: right right and and that's so important to you know and it's funny because it's like i always go back and forth because like represent like media representation like it shouldn't be the end all be all but just having conversations with people on so many topics just how powerful that media that you know pop culture representation is and how it can really affect what people perceive of something and it's just like to hear you say that you never really saw women as the, the dom, always the sub for so long, you know, which we know is not true, but just like, it's just so crazy how powerful and it can lead, you know, one way or the other, just how representation is.
1: Yeah, I think the other big angle for me is that I am also from the former Soviet Union. So I didn't move to the mm. United States until 1996. I was like eight years old at the time. Um, So I basically was coming from Soviet Union culture where there was definitely no kink media. Right. (laughs) Or really discussion as much because, you know, everybody was very wary of their neighbors. So when I came to America, like I was not just learning about like what is life like, I'm also learning like what is the point of view that I'm supposed to have of life now that I live in a different country because it was clearly very different from where I had grown up.
0: Wow. So that that must have been a lot like to so being around eight years old and coming from former Soviet Union over to uh, over to the U.S. And where where did you come to in the U.S. when you, when you and your family first got here?
1: Uh, we actually moved straight to Texas. That's kind of why I'm here now to be a little bit closer to family.
0: Wow. So to go from the former Soviet Union to Texas, that's a that's a big culture shock.
1: Yeah, it was definitely pretty weird. Um, my family is Jewish, but like not very religious because that didn't really fly in the USSR. So then like coming here and being immediately immersed in like early evangelical culture. <laughs> like <laughs> like a lot of inequality and like visible racism kind of stuff happening and like watching all these discussions take place versus like actually seeing what's happening in the streets. It was kind of a big mind blow um I would definitely say it played a huge part in me becoming a recovering pick me really yeah I think um a lot of what I learned from the media was that like expecting things from men is bad like you should be paying half of your bill you should be going out of your way to like do this and that for men you need to cook and clean and blah 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 And I was like, okay, so I do these things, I get a job, I pay for half, and then I get treated with respect, and everything is fine. And I did that, and I wasn't treated with respect. (laughs) And it wasn't fine. So I was like, you know what? (laughs) Fuck all this shit. I'm just any of
0: this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that was definitely when I was like, all right, I'm becoming a full-time dom, I can't handle (laughs) this bullshit anymore.
0: (laughs) Wow, wow. Okay, yeah. So you know, was that kind of so because even still, there's, you know, it's sad, but like there's people who, despite getting that uh, that wake up call, which is a shame. But like seeing like, wait a minute, it's it's not if I do all these things, it's still I'm still not getting respected. Like it still takes courage and guts to be like, like you said, fuck that. I'm going to go do my thing. So what uh, what was that trigger point to make you say, you know what, like I'm going to go all in on this
1: um i'm trying to try not to get too technical but i was working in i.t and i was supporting a huge platform that was you know essential to the company and we were having database problems and i went to the database team and i was like hey i really need you guys' help and you know we sent them errors we had meetings we went over what was going wrong i was like hey there's a performance problem they were like we don't see anything on our end it seems to be an application problem So my boss paid $40,000 for this expert from the company, not from the company, but like from the vendor of my application to come in and be like, what's Mm -hmm. wrong with our database? And literally the first thing he did, he ran one query and he was like, Hey, did you guys notice that this is super, super slow, like very broken, very simple. Like we paid $40,000 for nothing. Like they just listened to him because it was a man sitting in the room. And when I'm saying, Hey, we have a performance problem, they're saying we don't see anything, a man comes in and says, Hey, you have a performance problem. And suddenly, we've made so much progress in two weeks, I've been banging my head against the wall for six months. I'm out. I'm out. And that was it. Yeah. It was really what happened at the beginning of me meeting the database team, like I went out to meet the person like the subject matter expert I had been dealing with. And we went to go shake hands. And you know what men are supposed to shake hands like, like you grip the hand, mm-hmm. there's a firm grip, you shake the hand, this guy barely held my hand, it was more of like, I'm going to kiss you on your forehand, like what you see in movies oh. from the ancient times, <laughs> like, didn't, <I> didn't <laughs> acknowledge my presence, I was like, oh, okay, so this entire time, the reason that no one's been doing what I'm asking of them is because they just think I don't know what I'm doing, even though I've been doing this for over five years, so... Oof,
0: that was frustration. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of like a, a common theme from the people I talk to, who are either you know professional DOMs or session wrestlers, um, or sex therapists, even like it's more like just. You don't get me wrong; like a vanilla job is is fine for a lot of people, but you are finding people who like it just doesn't fit them. Like it doesn't fit their what makes them truly happy.
1: Yeah. Um, Even after my very first session, I spent so much of it giggling and the time flew by. I wasn't like, oh God, I have to get up and go do this thing. Like, it almost feels like I achieved that goal where Americans are always like, you got to love what you do, not like just go to work to make money. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) I love what I do now.
0: No, that's amazing. So but it was a lot of so how what was that like kind of figuring out what your I guess style was? Like your your dom style, like what you're into. How how was that journey for you? Like how how did that start?
1: Uh luckily I had a really down boyfriend at the time of discovery of me liking topping. Um the first time was I was riding my boyfriend and we were having sex, and I was like, I really want to slap your face right now. And he, to anything I ever said, was just like, Oh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I slapped him, and I was like, Oh, wow, that was extremely enjoyable. <laughs> I just wanted to, keep you to do that a lot. <laughs> um, so I definitely always knew I was a bit of like a sadist. So that was pretty obvious. Um, I personally am really into like, like scratching back scratches, like almost tickling. So I knew sensation play was going to be, you know, something that I really prioritize as well.
0: So you um, like, and when you say that you like being the giver of the light tickling and the light scratching.
1: I like being the receiver as well, but I love like okay. being the giver as well too now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's, and that's interesting because like, it's funny because, and I wonder if you were the same way where some of these things before you knew the technical term, like hearing you say sensation play, I, I can be honest, that's a term. The term I, I kind of discovered within the past like few years, but once you learn what it is, I'm like, oh, yes, I've always kind of been into that. Like, was that kind of the same for you where you were like a lot of these things when you were learning, you were like, yeah, kind of always like you kind of like connecting the dots about your like kink. Like background.
1: For sure. I think the word I had originally used was um, oh my gosh, my brain just totally farted out. What were we just talking about?
0: Oh, the tickle and the...
1: Sensation play. Thank you. Um, yes. Uh, the first word I had used for that was just sensual. Like, I'm a sensual person. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of the first, like, educational classes I took after I did pro-doming was Mistress McKenzie's sensation play class. And she went over like a gigantic conference room table's worth of stuff that you can use for sensation play and i was like oh man this is definitely my game <laughs> i'm really enjoying it
0: <laughs> so that that kind of okay so and uh, you've mentioned mistress mckenzie so I, and I know exactly who that is um how was that kind of finding at first for you finding like a community? Like, um, how, how was that transition when you were kind of first discovering and learning more about the BDSM world?
1: Um, I'm really good at googling and researching and like finding stuff online. So before I even really approached anyone who is a pro-dom in the community, like I had done some research on how to speak to them, um, you know, what their specialties are. So I had a really easy time forming community. I reached out to Mistress Lilith, who's another local Philadelphia dominatrix. And um, they did my like introductory training where we talked about how to screen clients and, you know, basic safety and working in a world after FOSTA SESTA um, and they were really helpful in connecting me with Lady Rouge who has a local dungeon in Philadelphia and Lady Rouge was at the time setting up an organization called Femme Dom for like mm-hmm. establishing community and like filming clips together. And it's, it was actually just really lovely. Everybody was so kind, um, you know, very little, mean girl kind of stuff that you might expect maybe from just a bunch of femmes in the same room together. Um, I've, I made right. some really good friends with her.
0: No, that's awesome. And I think that's what, um, you know, I just went to a, an event, uh, that, uh, the Dom, she's in New York but Dominic Domina, Domina uh, Katarina Pierce threw together. So I went up from Philly to New York and the, it was my first time going to one of her events, and it, it's just when I was there and just being immersed in, in everything. What I what I take away from it, and I always do when I you know that's my first event in New York, but I've gone to some in local in Philly. It's just that feeling of community and that feeling of letting people just you know be who they are, and and you know I guess like Kurt Cobain said, "Come as they are." Like it's <laughs> just really like an awesome thing, you know, to experience and. And, and I think people look at, and I'm going to be wrong, the, the feelings that you get physical or sensual or, yeah, that physical connection is great. But when you get to find that community and you find, quote, unquote, like, these are my people, it's such an awesome feeling.
1: Yeah. Even outside of, like, other doms that I work with, even with clients, I prefer to kind of get to know folks and get to know them over time and build a relationship and develop our play further. I find that much more gratifying. So I think it's really important to make kind of genuine connections with some of the people that you're playing with.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And from going on like your website and seeing that, like, is that kind of, I know you you, want to hear, you know, probably talk about for sure, like why they want to you know, meet with you and what they're into and their experiences. But is that also kind of like getting to know them, like as a person, like their interests their hobbies, their backgrounds as well like that, too?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, the last client I saw, I think we spent the first 20 minutes of our session talking about his dog and what's been going on with his ex. So <laughs> I definitely <laughs> get to know people pretty well. Um, I I like chatting with my subs. I like it when they shut up, when I tell them to shut up.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get along better with people who are less shy than me, I'll say.
0: Oh, would you consider yourself a shy person?
1: Oh, for sure. I'm very quiet when you first meet me. I also am autistic, so I have a very hard affect like my face looks very mean when i'm not purposefully putting it into a position so mm-hmm. i guess i give off like a very scary aura and i don't really talk that much so it just kind of confirms it for a lot of people but i'm very nice if you start talking to me
0: okay fantastic okay. At
1: carrying conversation just terrible at starting it.
0: i hear you i hear you and it, it's um do you find that cuz I'm all I'm neuroatypical myself um and do you find that like kink and fetish kind of fit neuroatypical better than like I guess neurotypical people?
1: I think so because most neurotyp or I mean I don't want to generalize but I will say that a lot of neurodivergent people need like very direct communication like you need to be told exactly what's happening what are the rules and guidelines like what's expected of me all those things up front and Mm -hmm. in kink before you start a scene with someone it's very important to talk about what your limits are what you want to get out of the scene what you don't want to do how to take care of yourself afterwards (laughs) those are extremely helpful for neurodivergent people so i think kink with consent is very friendly for anyone
0: no, absolutely, absolutely, and and I I also want to say I I appreciate you sharing, you know, that about yourself that you're you know you're autistic and um. It, you know it's it's important because I you know, like I said, I'm neuroatypical and and so it's it's cool to like. You know, talk a for me, talk to someone else who who understands it, but also b to see because I think that's important for people to kind of understand. I think so many times people are either in, you know, in a relationship or they're just with someone who it, it's really like you said, like they're it's someone who's neurotypical and someone who's neuroatypical atypical. And if someone would just be more understanding or can express themselves better, like you would see like, oh, they, it could be a better fit. But a lot of times that's not discussed. And then it winds up, they kind of clash.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see that.
0: You know, but how? I guess for you, when you're looking, when you're meeting like a new sub or a new potential sub, what are some of those uh, do's and don'ts that you, you you're looking for?
1: Hmm. Do's and don'ts. Definitely reach out with a hello and an introduction, preferably via my booking form and not my DMs, because I receive DMs on over 20 platforms. And I'm just not going to get to all of those every day. It's not going to happen. Right. (laughs) I'm much more likely to check my email a few times a day. Um, Right now, I'm dealing with the submissive who's like a heavy CBT bottom, and he really wants to film with me. And he's kind of flooded my DMs with all of these images from other scenes he shot. And I'm like, yeah, you look like an amazing CBT bottom. You can take a lot of heavy play. But I told you 10 messages ago that you need to reach out via my booking form. And you are still DMing me two weeks later. So I'm really not interested in playing with you because as much as I may be able to stick my largest sound into your cock... I don't want to do that because you're not going to listen to any of my instructions and you might not even be safe to be around because you don't seem to be showing the respect that I ask from you. And it's not even asking a lot. Right. So I think it's pretty easy. You know, if you send me a tribute along with your email or something, that would be amazing. You know, you're already above and beyond many submissives and that'll probably get you a quicker reply, me in a better mood. You know, just all things that you would want when you're dealing with someone else and asking them to hurt you
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> or put you in vulnerable positions.
0: Absolutely. Now, is it is it easier for you if someone kind of goes in and obviously everything that we talk about always the respectful way, but if someone respectfully, if they kind of know what they like like if they're like i like you know breath play chastity bond you know just throwing out examples they like boom 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 or is it kind of you like it when someone is hey i'm i'm open to trying a bunch of different things like i don't know like i'm open to kind of trying whatever like is it easier if they know or do you are you kind of cool with if they don't know
1: i'm totally fine with if they don't know i love playing with new submissives um and exploring kind of what they might be into it's much more important for me that you've come to me at least having thought about your limits because if you come to me and say i don't know what i like i want to try everything i don't have any limits then that lets me know that you're lying to me because if i say okay give me all your money and leave the room and go away or i'm gonna make you eat poop now like very clearly suddenly that becomes a limit <laughs> like right right there are some like basic things you can think about and i know you have them in the back of your mind and i want you to be comfortable telling me that those are limits because it's much more important for me for you to be able to say i don't like this or let's not do this anymore or i want to change this than to silently lay there hating every minute of our session and then leaving extremely unhappy like i'm a sadist but you know, I still want to have fun with the subs I'm playing with.
0: Right. Absolutely. So it's, it's, it's important. And I think that's where it, it comes down. Cause I, a lot of people have emailed me when it comes to either, just because I talk about my experience, you know, I, I've, with a lot of session wrestlers and also with some, some, some doms as well. And people e fans of the podcast have emailed saying, how do you choose? what you like, how do you go in? And then a lot of times, even now, still for me, after 11 years of, of, you know, partaking in it, sometimes I'm like, man, I I haven't tried that. I want to try that. I don't know how I would feel or man, like, I don't really know. Like when I reach out to someone, I'm excited. And then they're like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, huh? But it is like you have that research of yourself, number one, but then also of that person and what they offer and what they don't offer. To kind of like at least like say I don't like this you know what I mean
1: yeah for sure that definitely just shows that you'll be like a sub who's always trying to please and educate and you know I love that for people to be interested in what they're doing in and reading more about it
0: right right and I think that's something that's so true like I like I, I like that you said that like if, if people wanting to get in or learn about it or learn more about themselves like and I mean as like like fans or people wanting to see, you know, pro doms like yourself it is like educate, educate, educate because uh, everyone's journey is different. Everyone's interest is different. So it's like I can't tell you what you're going to love or what you don't love. Like that's your journey, which is which is why it's special because it, it's your journey.
1: Yeah, especially if you are in a place where the internet is readily accessible and you have a cell phone that can access the internet, I know that you are able to do research because yeah. there <laughs> is 20 years of forums and websites and classes from other doms and classes from subs and books and articles, like just very simply Googling, like how do I find out what I want to do in ink? will probably get you 10 decent results that you could follow through on and like mm-hmm. make, make an action plan of what
0: to do next. Right, for sure. And, and, and it's funny because when I meet people or speak with people who have, they're like, I've been, you know, a sub for 40 years. Or I've been in the session wrestling for all these years or whatever, you know, someone you know kink or fetish whatever the case may be it's like that pre-internet date I always go man I I give it up to you because I'm like how did you because I can say I'm fortunate you know that's a privilege of mine that I've always had like when I got into it from like puberty times and then high school to college the internet was right there and you know YouTube was coming of age and all these different things so like I always had that so when people I meet who Were before that time, I'm like, how I give you so much credit because it was like an underground old newspaper clips or magazines. How'd you do it?
1: I remember when I first came to the U.S. in the back of the newspaper, there would be like nude or mostly nude photos of people offering services. So I feel like even back then they had access to like where to look. It just wasn't maybe as obvious, like you had to know the magazine name because you found it stashed in the attic by your father from 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) um, Do you often get because like on your website and on most like pro doms or session wrestlers, there's that list of what they offer and their list of their like limits, right? like what they they will not do. Um, how often do you get someone who they may ask something that is not on either. It's not on your do not do like your your limits or it's not on what you offer. And how do you like handle that? Um,
1: I've probably gotten one or two of those kinds of requests. Um, my do list is pretty extensive and so is my limit list. So I feel like you'd have to be a pretty long-term player to bring something up that I don't have on there. I think the only thing I don't have on there that's like common is maybe knife play, Um, but I'm happy to discuss other things. I would definitely try to do my own research to see what the barrier to entry would be. Like if For example, if I didn't have flogging on my website and someone said, hey, I want to do flogging, I'm like, okay, that's something reasonable I can figure out. There's information about where not to hit. But if somebody's like, oh, I would like to do cock needle play during my session, I'm going to say, I am not prepared for that. I did not go far enough in training. Um, Here's my friend Mia Action who loves needles. You should check her out. (laughs) I'm (laughs) I'm definitely happy to refer out for any specialties. I'm not comfortable doing myself.
0: Mm-hmm. shout out to Mia Action, past guest of the podcast, who's awesome. So shout out to Mia. Um, but it's, uh, it's always, so it's always interesting. What would you say are some of the more popular requests that you offer that, 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 that you, you're asked about?
1: Probably smothering. I've been getting a lot of sounding requests lately.
0: And um, just real quick for people listening can like I what what would you how would you describe sounding?
1: Um, sounding is the process of inserting something into the urethra, whether usually on a penis, but you can do it on a vulva as well. Um, and it's usually like a metal rod of varying thicknesses or like a vibrating rod. Um, it's really fun. I know it sounds scary because it's very close to like <laughs> getting getting catheterized, which doesn't sound very good.
0: Right. <laughs> um, but
1: no one that I've done it to has had a bad time. So I'm getting closer and closer to being willing to having someone try it on me.
0: <laughs> oh, OK. Wow. 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 OK. So and you so smothering is now is that with breast, or is that with with ass or either or
1: either or i think ass is easier because then i can also make it somewhat of an ignore session and play with my phone while you're suffocating under there
0: Oh, so you enjoy the ass smothering
1: yeah it's a lot more fun i feel like this is going to be weird but with boob smothering, mm-hmm. sometimes there's no weird on
0: this show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sometimes with boob smothering, I will get like a current of air hit my face of the submissive's breath. And it's not mm-hmm. the best. And I don't like that, which is why I prefer ass smothering.
0: Is it just the feeling of breath? Or is that code for some people have some bad breath? Maybe that's
1: a little bit of everything, honestly. Like <laughs> I I have a lot of sensation issues around people's mouth noises. So <laughs> <laughs> I also sometimes it's triggered when I'm doing foot worship and they're like licking my feet repeat, repeatedly and making a lot of like wet mouth noises. I can't do that.
0: Oh, uh, okay, so it's like that just like that irritating Irritating like, sound
1: yeah repetitive, low sounding sounds <laughs> I need silent <laughs> <but> worshipers
0: <laughs> okay, so for the for now for ass smothering, because I've been learning more because I'm a big face sitting fan myself mm. is there absolutely absolutely now, do you have a certain technique like that you like to go to when you're when you're uh smothering?
1: Um, I definitely start out with the eyes out and just kind of put my nose over their face and they're like, oh, okay, this is fine. It's not too bad. And then I like open up my ass cheeks and scoot back and you can just see like the terror in their eyes <laughs> because they're not going to be able to <laughs> see anything or breathe or <laughs> <We're> probably hear <here laughs> either.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Now, are you, a, are you a twerker on the face or you're just strictly the, the sit?
1: I'll do a jiggle. I'll do a little Okay.
0: Video. No, you know why? Because I I've had this conversation on my on the last episode and then I I went to the the party I went to in New York was like a a face sitting smothering kind of like you know, informal entertainment thing before we, you know, had the wrestling party, but like the different techniques that people have with face sitting um it's interesting cuz people think it's just just sitting over the face and there's more to it.
1: Yeah. I once saw a face sitting where the Dom was in a split and I thought that was really impressive.
0: That's so I've seen that before too. That is so awesome. <laughs> that is so awesome.
1: Yeah. I think that was maybe taken from surf Glove culture, but I love it.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Probably definitely borrow from there, but whoever started that, whoever applied it first to the face sitting, uh, thank you so much because that is so awesome so cool
1: you've mentioned wrestling a few times is that a big kink of yours
0: yes yes so that's probably my biggest i'm into other things too but uh my biggest and like my foray into the the kink world was through wrestling from as a kid even like that that was how i got into it um i'm into like I said I've met with Don. I'm into bondage uh role play uh chastity I've I've tried once and I like it I want to do that more and and open to other stuff as well but uh yeah the the wrestling it has kind of been the the biggest kink for me you know it still, and still is
1: wrestler are you are you a jobber
0: yeah, yeah. So for for me, I let people know like this isn't. I like it, it, when it comes to like the the kink world and session wrestling, like that's it's not a place for you to like be like, oh, like MMA and like and that's why some 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 vanilla people are like, oh, it's like that, and I'm like, no, no, it's not like um, this is like a fun thing. So like, I'm not trying to prove like, look at me, like I I like. I might maybe give them a little resistance or, like, you know, like, if uh, someone's on top, I might, like, pick them up and put them over my shoulder and gently put them down. But I like it when, like, I get put in holds and I, you know, am getting dominated.
1: Nice. That's so fun. I did a session like that once. Um, the sub was, like, really into getting punched in the belly and sat on. So I had a lot of fun and got out some of my frustration as well. <laughs>
0: Okay. Okay. I haven't done a a wrestling
1: session in like a year, though, because I injured my wrist. And so now I'm just kind of like nervous that if somebody did try to win me over in the wrestling, I wouldn't be able to take back over.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so, so you have done those before. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun definitely like play wrestling and tickling i did before i realized that it was like a kink thing
0: oh yeah yeah no uh tickling i should say is definitely high on my list too like i i really enjoy that um and i'm ticklish all over but i Ooh. really enjoy it Are you oh yeah it's, it's yeah 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 Um. <laughs> I'm squirming and moving all over the place. It's it's a sight to see. It's a sight. And so sometimes it's like people are like, well, like, you know, where? And I'm honestly, my mind, I'm like, I think honestly, any, like, it's more like, where am I not? You know, at, at a certain point, it's like, oh, okay. That's actually a spot. I'm not ticklish in." But it's very, it's hard to find. Like, I, yeah, I can thrash. And that, I've done that. I've, where I've been with a, a dominatrix and i bondage and then they tickle me and then it, and that's been really, like, awesome.
1: Nice. Yeah, I definitely try to tie up my tickle bottoms now. I almost got kicked in the face once. So I'm not trying to repeat that experience.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's smart. It's smart to probably have have the bondage going first just to, you know, and, and just to, you know, reduce the accidents. <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. It's safer for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, are there some other, other popular requests that you get as well?
1: Um, definitely Impact Play is pretty popular or any sort of bondage. Um, I've gotten a few subs who have been trying to take advantage of my new Electro toys, which is really no. fun. I'm super proud. It's my first kink that is fully submissive funded. I haven't paid a single dollar for any of my Violet Wand stuff. That's cool. Yeah, it's definitely like a dom goal mark for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I really enjoy that. Mm. Um I don't know, I haven't gotten anything too crazy lately in terms of session requests. Okay. Um I find that in person people are you know, those like top ten kinks that I mentioned are really popular. But then Mm -hmm. working online, I've been doing a lot of, like, Sex Panther and Night Flirt, which is really enjoyable Mm -hmm. for me. And I have found so many toilet subs on Sex Panther and Night Flirt. Like, I'm actually kind of shocked how many.
0: Wow. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, they're probably too shy for in-person. Or maybe it's just, like, not a very popular service that doms provide.
0: Or, and I think people for that one... Um, might feel more comfortable asking over the phone than in person, too. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Even if you know,
1: my suspicion is that, at least for full toilet training, for a lot of those people, it's more about the fantasy. Like, I don't think they would actually enjoy the process of being, you know, tied down on the floor and having someone sit over their face and take a shit in their mouth. Um but talking about it <laughs> they're super down for.
0: Right. Right. That's interesting. Okay. Okay. And do you get uh is it just as much of a enjoyable for you to be over the phone or virtual or is it I know you like it, but is it nothing like having that in person interaction?
1: Yeah, I definitely prefer it in person. Um there's like actual physical release in the session, for me, not the sub. But you know, Mm -hmm. as I'm topping, I'm like doing stuff, I'm getting more into Dom space, like, there's a lot of feelings, plus it has a very set boundary, I'm going to arrive at this time, you're going to arrive at this time, and then you're going to leave. Versus with online, I might get a message at any time of day, like I always have the choice of whether I'm going to respond or not. But it's much less delineated there's not as much of a release because I'm just talking about it. It's kind of like not the same for me, but I do Mm -hmm. really enjoy doing texting sessions because there's just something extremely humiliating and hilarious to me that I am sitting on my couch, possibly watching Z Nation or Game of Thrones or something, and (laughs) you are at your house like Filled with joy, like jerking off to your wildest fantasy. <laughs> I just think
0: that's so <laughs> funny. <laughs> that's it, it. I can only imagine. Yeah, that must be really cool. Yeah, I you think. Like you said. You,
1: starting this spring, I'm going to start to get into doing more cam stuff online, too. I think that might be fun.
0: Okay. Okay. And would you be also looking at more like thinking of like more clips and stuff like that as well?
1: I have already been doing that um, on my OnlyFans and Fansly. I Mm -hmm. am releasing weekly clips on there. So I've been doing that for two months now. It's been going pretty well. I just got a bunch of clips back from my editor that I can post for this coming month that I'm really excited about. Um, So I'm hoping to get those uploaded to many vids sometime in the next month or so. And then I will have fully diversified to all the things.
0: (laughs) So I guess this next question. And so just kind of, I'm always interested in because, um, you know, my therapist talks about, and I think other people too, but like how the male mind is more visual than the female mind. So when it comes to, um, I always am fascinated when I'm watching a clip from anybody, like a dominatrix or session wrestler, and like what goes into like the outfit that gets picked. And I know sometimes people may request things. So I was kind of like wondering, like, I guess for both, like what goes into when you're doing a video or you're doing an in-person session, what goes into like for you picking an outfit? And then what do a lot of, like, your clients, like, kind of, like, have you gotten any interesting requests from your clients about outfits?
1: Um, The requests are usually pretty normal, like lingerie or latex or leather. Um, I think my funnest request so far has been two submissive to, like, um, like, girl next door from the gym look. So no makeup, like, be a little bit smelly. I was like, you know what? Thank you for accepting me in the true form during which I exist. <laughs> <laughs> Throughout the other half of my day.
0: <laughs> oh, that's like the yoga pants kind of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. oh, that's cool.
1: Yeah, and I guess there's a little bit more consideration for in-person work clothing because it really depends on what I'm going to be doing. Like if we're doing a lot of impact play, I'm not going to wear a robe because my sleeves are going to be in the way for everything. Or just like, can I wear heels or are we going to be walking around a lot for some reason? And then online, I just, all of my outfits are color picked, so I don't really think of like, oh, I want to wear latex today or I want to wear leather. I'm like, I want to wear purple today or I'm going to wear all black and red. And then I look in my closet for what I can put together.
0: Mm. Because otherwise you kind of end
1: up with like the same outfit over and over
0: right right and that's what i think is interesting which is like you you want to have a variety of outfits that but like you know everyone has a different thing that they might be into and like i'll be honest sometimes i'll see somebody in an outfit and just right there like they have hooked my attention because i'm like oh wow okay like that's really interesting or that's really attractive or that's really cool and then it's like well what you know when i'm watching a clip or whatever i'm like well let me see the you know what goes on the clip but the outfit right there will hook you and i think it's just fascinating like that visual stimulation you know
1: yeah one of the biggest things i learned from like social media following of doms and other pro workers is the importance of layering because i'm always like oh this lingerie is really cute i have a corset on we're good to go But then I started noticing other doms, they've got like pantyhose and thigh highs and then knee high boots and then like a corset with a chain over it and a belt and it looks amazing. So now I've gotten a little bit more adventurous in like my pairings and how many layers I'm wearing, even though there's no reason to be wearing two pairs of underwear. The last pictures I took, I was wearing like full bottoms that covered my butt cheeks, but they were see through and then like a little thong and it looked so hot because the thong was over the shorts. It was amazing. I would have never thought to do that.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right. And that exactly. That's where it's like, it's cool to see like how people come creative with things because it, it, it does like add to it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, especially for videos where it's like very focused on the Dom like some of the clips that I film are solo clips where I'm just talking to the camera. So it's important for me to also like have it be visually interesting alongside just me talking at the camera.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. So for you, um, is it easy or, or how did it become easy if it is to kind of, you know, cause you have your, your everyday life, like who you are when you're not working, but then when it's time for a session or a video or whatever the case may be, how easy is it for you to transition back and forth between, you know, who you are? I almost feel like, like, you know, like superhero, like, you know, Marvel comics, like Tony Stark to Iron Man, (laughs) because it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, how is it for you? Or is it, is it been like a process learning how to like, all right, like I'm, I have this session, I'm done with it. Time to turn off Mistress Smash and just relax and watch Game of Thrones.
1: Um uh, it's not that difficult for me, I think, because my Mistress Smash is not like extremely far removed from my actual person who I am in my day to day vanilla life. It's more mm-hmm. like it's like the tuned up version or the version that just says whatever comes to mind rather than like stopping and thinking whether that's appropriate or okay to ask of someone or whatever. So it's not that big of a switch for me, but whenever I have multiple sessions in a day, I definitely need at least an hour of time between them so that I can like turn off my brain for 20 minutes and like play on TikTok. And take some cute photos and then like clean up the room and then I'm ready for another session. I'm not very good at like one session and another session and another session. That kind of stuff definitely tires me out more.
0: Yeah, I bet. I bet. And And that's the thing. It's not just physically. If you have like, I mean, I don't know what the max or like how the most you've had in one day of sessions, but... It's not just a physical drainage. It's, it's it's just as, if not more important, making sure you're taking care of that that mental.
1: Yeah, I think it has very similar decision fatigue issues as like working in a regular job. Like if you got up in the morning and decided what to make for breakfast, what to make for lunch, what do you do for this meeting? How are you gonna get to work? Are you gonna get off on this exit like all those tiny decisions that you make throughout the day and then you get home and your significant others like what do you want for dinner and you're like don't fucking ask me any questions okay <laughs> you figure it out i don't know yeah it's kind of very similar to that feeling like after the third session i'm just like you know what just go play in the corner
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's true and that's funny yeah and cuz you're you're having it where people are kind of Well, I guess it's not really like, like, if a client's coming to you, they're technically making the decision of what they want. And you're just kind of having to execute it.
1: Yeah, I would say with most of my subs, they like when they show up, they have written me a rough draft outline of what they want to happen in the session, like They want to do foot worship. They want to do a little bit of CBT. They want to be hit with a paddle, and that's what they want to do. But that is like 15 minutes worth of content. What am I, like I still need to come up with the other 45 minutes of what's happening in between, Um, Mm. working up to the maximum from like starting out light heavy, managing their reaction to what's happening, managing my reaction to what's happening, like, choosing my next step based off how they're behaving. All those sorts of things require a lot of management in your mind of what's going on. Right outside of yourself as well. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, minute decisions being made every 30 seconds.
0: Yeah. Okay, now that's so fascinating. So, I, uh, and just from talking with you, I know, what, you know, like you said earlier, like you may not you can carry a conversation well, you just don't want to start a conversation. So what are what are some of your passions or your interests that you, you love talking about?
1: I'm definitely a huge science fiction fan. Um, oh, cool. I would love to find a submissive to talk about Star Trek a lot with <laughs> but somehow have not found that yet. I have one for Z Nation. <laughs> I've got the zombie TV shows down. Um, oh. I like cooking. So you're more
0: Trekkie than Star Wars.
1: I've only seen one Star Wars movie.
0: Wow.
1: The one where the giant hole in the ground opens up and eats everyone.
0: Yes, yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> um, I had a friend in high school who was from China, and she was working her way through like the America catalog, and I sat with her for that one Star Wars movie. Um, but mm. outside of watching media, I, I really like riding my bike. I like cooking. I like going out to eat at restaurants, doing stuff in nature, but like intermediate nature, not advanced nature.
0: Hmm. Oh, I like how you put that too. Like, yeah, because I, I would say I like like that intermediate nature, but yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I like nature, but I'm not yeah, the been biggest like. I've seeing all like, these camp. memes of
1: people um, joking about how they brought their friend along for a hike. And the friend is like, oh my goodness, this is such a fun hike for the first three miles. And they're expecting it to end. But the originator of the hike is like, no, actually, it's 16 miles and you're going to love this. Right.
0: <laughs> like, right, it right. Really <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like that, too. I love being out, like, going to the park for a walk. Being out in nature, you know, yeah, even some hikes—not 16 miles, but I, you know, I can, you know, maybe five to ten if I'm prepared. Like that's cool too, but like I don't like camping. Yeah. Like I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a pitch a tent kind of guy. I, I don't. That's, that's not for me, and 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 certain other things like real extreme stuff in the outdoors, like uh, that's a hard pass. But I do like. Yeah, just being outside in nature is awesome.
1: I don't mind car camping. I found out a few summers ago that bike camping is just not really, <laughs> not really <laughs> in the future for me.
0: <laughs> okay, you essentially get okay. like now,
1: less than a backpack's worth of space for all your stuff. <laughs> That's all you get to bring with you.
0: Now, car camping because I had some friends who do it. Where you mean like, like, like they? I've seen, I had friends who they put like a mattress in the back seat of like, in like the car and then they kind of like sleep in the back of the car and like they're in the car, but like the sunroof's open and like they can see the stars. Like, do you mean that or do you mean something different? Uh,
1: by car camping, I mean that you arrive to the campsite by car and you brought stuff in your car versus bike camping uh, okay. where you biked to the destination with all your stuff on your bike and that's all you brought with you and then you've got to bike uh, it back.
0: Well, gee, oof, yeah. I know for me, car car camping is like really a hard pass. <laughs> so I know bike bike camping's a hell no. Like I, that would never happen. But okay, okay, yeah, I yeah, I I'm interested in trying like the whole put the mattress in the back seat and you're like you're kind of sleeping in the car, but you might have like you can still look up and see the, the stars. Kinda like I've heard people say people who aren't the biggest campers like that. I'm not a tent, pitch a tent kind of dude. That's not me, but um, that I've heard is kind of interesting.
1: So my friend Tatiana, who lives out in Hamilton, she converted, well, she's in the process of doing another one, but she converted her van into like a little house. Like he has got a bed and a full kitchen. Um, and she's renting out her van so that you can sleep on the van. Her property is like on a river. And then you're essentially like camping in the van in the river doing stuff. Maybe that would be a good like medium place for you to start.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I that's where I'm. Um, I might, like I said, that's that's the only kind of camping right now I'm open to is like trying as that. Um, so I that my, I might I might I might try to copy that this summer. You know, I might try to do that myself. So no, for sure. Um,
1: I would recommend. I that. gotta that ask. Really comfortable.
0: Oh, you liked it, too. Okay, yeah. okay. I got to ask, though. I, I hate to, but I got to go back to the Star Trek. <laughs> were you well, were you into the original? Is that what got you, or Next Generation?
1: Um, I moved to the United States right before, like, the summer before Star Trek Voyager started. So I mm. actually watched that a lot, and, like, that was part of how I learned to speak English. Okay. So that was probably my first Star Trek that I really got into. Um, I watched the Next Generation in college, and I definitely lost a minimum of three weeks where I like didn't do anything. I just like watched Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that one is really good. Going back now and watching Voyager is like a little bit cringy, just with some of the um, societal changes that have taken place since then. I think now my favorite is probably DS9.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, Deep Space Nine. No, because you're talking to the son of a Trekkie, my mom. So if you go to my my parents' house in the basement, she has all the original Star Treks on, like, VHS. She, she had them all. She loved them. She watched them growing up. And my first was she would always watch Next Generation. So that was that was really, like, like you know, John Luke Picard. That was my my you know Captain Kirk. He was the guy that was who I knew first. Was like I was like oh William Shatner. He did it too. Like well, I knew John Luke Picard, and then definitely got to know Deep Space Nine too. So it's like through her, I I I I I got into it a little bit. I'm not going to call myself a Trekkie like yourself, but I, I definitely can can hang in some convo.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean. I'm just sitting here watching the world do what the world is doing and, like, hoping more people will watch Star Trek so they get an idea of, like, what's possible that's not what's happening right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Did that? That's what, yeah, that's what Gene Roddenberry kind of showed us.
1: Yeah, just like media can teach you about kink, it can also teach you about, like, society and... Economics and interrelations with other people. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, are you are you also a like TV, movies, or music fan? Like.
1: Definitely. Um, I I would say I'm kind of behind on movies because I haven't gone to a movie theater since the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. So I only really see what like comes out later on streaming channels for the most part. And I love music, but now that I'm in my 30s, I definitely feel like I'm developing a musical rut. Like, I have 10 playlists. It's probably like 50 hours worth of music, but it's the only music I listen to. I need to branch out more.
0: You go back like the 90s, are you like a 90s playlist or 2000s kind of?
1: I make my playlist based on the mood. So, I have like a playlist for riding my bike a playlist for cooking and dancing in the kitchen like a happy playlist a sexy mm. one like it's a very what's the goal of me listening to music oriented
0: <laughs> okay okay and and no other so no other oh, you say game of thrones so i was gonna say no other tv shows
1: i'm really into anime honestly um, I've been watching oh. a lot of the Avatar, <laughs> <laughs> which has been really nice too. Um, I also d- finally watched Cowboy Bebop this year, which was really okay. enjoyable.
0: Yes, that, that one I've seen. I like that.
1: And they made a like a live action remake of it, which was kind of fun honestly i'm sad that they are not making a second season but i did enjoy it
0: oh okay so that's cool so i always like to hear like because like everybody you know people just see like just the 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 dom or the wrestler and that's you know what you're putting out too but it's also like hey like remembering like they're always at Everybody like we're all people and we all have fun things and things that are cool and interesting. And, you know, just it's awesome to know, like, you know, a dream session for you would be some Star Trek role play. Like, that's awesome. Like, it's just good to know that.
1: (laughs) How has that request never come into my inbox?
0: (laughs) If you don't get it by the time you come back up to Philadelphia, I might have to be the first one. I just I just may. Like that—that that would be really like that's that's that'd be really interesting. That that's deeper role play than I've ever done, so that'd be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, maybe I need like a forehead, like a silicone Klingon forehead piece, and some photographs, and then people will be like, "Oh, she's a huge nerd. Let's do nerd sessions with her."
0: <laughs> I guarantee, from either this podcast, and then definitely if you do that picture, or you put on TikTok some stuff like that. The requests will start coming in. <laughs> you'll, you'll start getting them. Oh my
1: god! You'll goodness. start getting them. That sounds like a lot. And of you fun.
0: might. Yeah, at first, and then after a while, you might be like, "Oh, this is a lot here."
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, just unleash me. the full brute of all the Star Trek cake you people? Oh yeah,
0: You know why? Because you'll get like repressed, like sci-fi writers, and they're gonna like give you like their their scenes.
1: Maybe um, I you know, they'll start give charging you charging for feedback on fan fiction. Like, I'll edit your pretty fan much.
0: fiction for you. Pretty <laughs> much, pretty much, because they'll, they'll you are going to start getting like, oh, would you be? They'll like start off like easy, like, hey, was down doing some like sci fi role play? Okay, and you'll be like, well, what do you want to do? Like, oh, I'll send you something, and there's, like this like one hundred page PDF with like character detail. You are like, whoa, this you. It's like, yeah, I've been waiting for a long time to do this. So this, <laughs> you're like, uh, I got to start charging you. If you want me to like act out your script or act out your scene here, I got to start charging.
1: I should have mentioned that when you asked me what my weirdest requests are. I have been getting a lot of, like, band six sexy literotica into my inbox as a session request. Not on my booking oh. form, so I'm not going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, I understand like wanting something out of a session but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do a session where the session is me reading off the script to you
0: Yeah that'd be interesting
1: yeah unless we're filming it and it's like a production and maybe we can figure it out
0: mm. okay Wow okay so that's that's been so that's good to know so that's been the strange so for people, Listening, don't you know? You want to do the Star Trek thing? It's one thing, but <laughs> don't do that.
1: <laughs> no literotica.
0: <laughs> yeah, no lerotica. We don't need that. No, no, Mister Smash is not interested in that at all. Nope. Oh wow.
1: Yeah, I also once got an email that contained over seventy-five image attachments of scenes that they wanted to recreate but then they kept emailing me back on that thread and it would take over 10 minutes to open any email because it was trying to load all 75 photos. Don't do that. At least put it on Dropbox so that I don't have to download it all at once.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. See, this is good. See, we're talking through it. So now people know like like some other low-key like wants and like do not do's. For Mister Smash here, that's that's awesome. Do you think I should put that's that on awesome. my
1: website under the limit, soft limit?
0: If you if you start to get more request, like more, I don't know, I don't know how many. If it's becoming like kind of like an annoying problem, I would say yes. <laughs> and also you permission. would stick out too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you would stick out too. Like people might that could be like your niche within the niche. Uh, you know, like you're the sci-fi dominatrix
1: sci-fi dominatrix who won't read long stories you send
0: her <laughs> right right but that's how you get recurring it's like hey we'll do like you know first few pages of act one and then like you come back you pay again we'll like finish up like the end of act one like you just make it so it could be like a recurring like and so like they keep coming back over and over and then it's like you did the whole movie but then they are a recurring customer
1: yeah that would you be
0: see fun. You see, I'm helping you out here, like that. Like teamwork makes the dream work.
1: Stretch out sessions for multiple hours. Got it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yep. 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 Then they. Then you also you can really kind of you can help them patch up their work. (laughs) You know. I am a pretty big
1: stickler for grammar.
0: Oh. so that's more, you, you're you more like the grammar. So you're more grammar than like storytelling.
1: Yeah. my, I, I can storytell, but like someone's going to have to edit it to be Mario. <laughs> <laughs> <And laughs> punctuation is really important.
0: <laughs> mm.
1: Nothing worse than a paragraph that's only one sentence.
0: Oh, uh, okay. Okay. See, these are more things you put on. See? And then put on, you know, on that website. Punctuation is important. See?
1: It definitely already said something it. about punctuation.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I <laughs> As soon as I said I remembered, I was like, oh, yeah, it is. That's there, too.
1: Yeah, that did not take very long for me to update with.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Okay. So now are there, I guess for me, like the final question is like, are there some, it could be through like the clips you're doing and like, or in sessions, are there some goals or some things that you want to try and explore either individually or with outside like the, the Star Trek role play, but like with, or with a sub, like, are there some things that you like, you know, have any goals you want for yourself as, as a dominatrix?
1: I definitely have several attachments to the Violet Wand that I haven't found anyone who would be capable of withstanding, so I would Mm -hmm. love to get to play with some of those a little bit. So I am in search for a heavy masochist bottom, and if you are willing to film, you know, you can wear a hood for privacy, we can cover up your tattoos, whatever, Um, but that would also be a huge plus. And I'm also really hoping to get more into needle play stuff once I get back up to New Jersey and I'm closer to the, uh, action. Um, cause it looks like a lot of fun and I have some medical trauma I need to work through.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. And, uh, so you're, you're, I lied. I'm sorry. So your answer gave me just a couple more. So like, um, When you is it easy? Like, can any like how defining like those subs who are you want to like film with? How has that process been? Is it kind of like any sub who you're meeting? Like, you know, obviously as long as they're respectful and cool, can be uh, in the video. Or are you looking for something in particular when you're you're shooting with a sub?
1: Um, no, I am happy to session and shoot with subs of any gender, race, size, anything. Um, as long as you're willing to give me a picture of your ID and sign a release form, um, I'm happy to shoot with you. I don't have any restrictions on that, really, as long as you pass okay. my normal in-person session screening. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I would say most of my subs are not comfortable with filming because, you know, they have lives or maybe a career and they're afraid someone will spot their tattoo and recognize them. Hopefully one day my porn is so famous that that is a possibility. <laughs> but <for laughs> now, I think they're safe. <laughs> my reach is right. only a couple thousand people. Like, it's not that bad yet.
0: <laughs> right, right. But you never know, though. They could be because they, they could, that might be a, That's a compliment still because it's future projections. It's like, you know, right now it's a few thousand. But then when it becomes real big, people will go to the back catalog and they'll be like, hey, those tattoos look like Joe's. And it's like, oh, like, so maybe that's like a compliment itself. It's they're projecting that it's going to be that big one day. So they know.
1: Or they think that like the shape of their butt is extremely recognizable like everyone will know this butt once they see it
0: that is sometimes you know it's funny that's sometimes i've talked i have friends who want to get into filming and then like even like 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 female friends and then they're like but people i'm like well you can put a mask on or something like that and and they're like no but they'll know and i go well how and then they're like they'll just know and i'm like i don't know I'm like, you can, you can definitely disguise her, you know, if you don't want people to see, especially for like the ladies.
1: Yeah, I, I do know one um, full service sex worker who was in medical school while she was working. And even though her face was not shown on any of her ads, like she's very freckled and has red hair. a particular body type, and so they were able to prove that it was her based off just the body photos without her face. So, like, I can understand where some of the concern is coming from.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is a shame, but yeah. Well, when you're distinct, like, yeah, which is shame, but like, yeah, I think freckles and red hair is really cool. But like, I guess that's that's rare or more rare, so like, people can maybe.
1: Yeah, unless you have, like, a very unique body type or a lot of tattoos and, like, colored hair, you'll probably be safe with a good hood on and some tape for yeah. your tet, ta- like, your one tattoo that you have.
0: Right, right. Now, so, legit final question. <laughs> is it, being that you're more introverted, how is it then performing on on camera? Like... Was that like weird or was that kind of like easy for you?
1: Um, I, I think in the beginning, there was definitely a little bit of, of a, I feel silly factor. Like the things that I'm saying are kind of silly sounding. And if somebody walked in on me filming this, I would be a little bit embarrassed. Uh, but over time that went away. And otherwise I'm just by myself in a room talking to the camera. So there's not really as much introversion involved. So I'm already alone in my room. <laughs>
0: Right. <laughs> okay. No, cause I, I just think it's it's fascinating. It, even like I'm a guy, I I studied like, you know, my major was it, was, it doesn't mean much, but like it was psychology. So it's just fascinating. I think back on people who I knew back even when I was growing up. And then even now to see people who it's like, man, and certain, because to me, it's like, I feel like I'm kind of obvious where like, yeah, like one-on-one I'm better or a small group, but like crowds or a big group, I'm nervous. But then to see people like really, you know, they'll shine singing in front of like a room, like thousands of people. I remember I had this one classmate, we were in high school and she would she was in the choir and she would do a solo in front of like a room, like thousands of people. But we had like a a current events class, and there was literally six people in the class. And she kind of had to like stand up and talk to five, well, I guess, including the teacher, six people. And she like had like a panic attack. And I was like, but you led the solo in front of like 3,000 people like a month ago. And it's just like, it's just, it's different to see. And it's always fascinating to see where people come out of their shell and they're comfortable when they're doing that thing. But then, and, other situations they're not
1: yeah i mean even now i do burlesque and that's getting naked in front of a whole group of people (laughs) and you would think that that would be very anxiety causing but it actually isn't that bad for me i think it's mostly just like having to hold a conversation with multiple people at once that i'm like "Eh."
0: so that that's what i was going to say so you if the burlesque getting naked that's fine but then if there's an after party like a small gathering like with the other performers and stuff afterwards, you're more nervous about that than you are about the burlesque performance. Oh yeah, yeah, which is interesting. The it's so fascinating. I've
1: already practiced.
0: <laughs> yeah, No, it's it's it's. I I I I can relate. I I totally relate because in in this form and doing the podcast, I'm very confident. But if I just you know, the same approach. Like, yeah, I, I, I guess, be honest, if I was, but like, you know, it was res- when I asked you about coming on the show, and you know, even talking to you now. It's our first time talking. It's like, yeah, just talking. But like, outside the podcast, like going up to you, talking in the same kind of conversation, it, I would be very nervous and very like, uh, uh, uh. But in this like podcast, when I'm in wearing that podcast hat, I don't feel nerves.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's social anxiety or neurodivergence, but I'm glad we're both able to find ways to do what we want to do anyway.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So this this has been just so awesome talking with you and for the people listening and, and there's going to be those who your fans listening, but those who are getting introduced to you where where can they find you and tell them what what you got coming up?
1: Oh, um, you can find me at mistressmash.com. If you go over to the Connect page, it'll have links for my OnlyFans, Fansly, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. So there's lots of ways to kind of see what I'm up to and support me in my work. Um my screen name is Smushed. S-C-H-M-O-O-S-H-E-D. So come get smushed, smushed with me.
0: <laughs> Which I love, by the way, too. Or by me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, no, absolutely, and um, and definitely. Once uh, we get to spring or summer, uh, maybe we can uh session and we can do an in person uh podcast as well.
1: Yeah, I would love that.
0: So no, this is awesome. So you know, thank you so much for thank joining me. So much me.
1: for having me on today. This has been really fun. <laughs>
0: All right. So for the amazing Mistress Smash, I'm D Rock. Thank you guys for listening to After Our Sessions podcast. Take care.